Okay. In uh, in many places in Eng uh, in the English language, we use the word uh, reference or frame of reference. Yep. And um, there's actually books on psychology that I have read that has the name of it was three frames of reference. And basically, you can see that a frame of, of reference would then be the way that a particular teacher teaches. And then his students pick that up. And then that's the way they also teach for themselves mm -hmm. in that frame of reference. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, the more that we understand, the more capable we are of changing our frame of reference. Uh -huh. Many people are stuck in and do not change the frame of reference much. Uh -huh. um, you could say that uh, Joe Blow or Archie Bunker, the um, factory worker, had basically only two frames of reference. And that reference was how he saw things at work and how he has taught things at home. Okay, yeah. Uh, so we can see that people do change different frames of reference, and sometimes we do it automatically with the environment. Yep. And it's still not very conscious. Yep. For instance, the frame of reference will, will change if you find out that the child that you're beating on is actually not a child, he's a police officer. Yeah. And immediately we change our reference. Okay. Now, this is actually what we're getting into in the understanding of one's right view. Because mm -hmm. one's right noble view means that we can change our frame of reference and mm -hmm. look at things in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. That we're not bound to stay with either a frame of reference we've gotten used to or the frame of reference that this situation calls for. That in fact, you could begin to see that people take on a frame of reference through this thing that we've talked on before about mudita, or that there is a social sympathetic vibration that people have. Mm -hmm. And so in that regard, you're expected to behave in certain social situations, and you know that in advance. And so you yep. take on that frame of reference. But we often do that again unconsciously. Mm. Okay, so one of the major frames of reference that we need to add into our noble view that are, that's very, um, let us say, unlikely for it to come up naturally very much, and that is the frame of reference of everything is associated with a here now. Mm -hmm. Because the frame of reference that we were raised in in our society has a past and a future built into the entire frame of reference. And so we see things over a broader context of time. Mm -hmm. and so they're, we're quite easily then able to dabble over here in the past, no matter how painful it is. And we also easily dabble over here in the future, ere how wrong we're going to be in our concoctions. Mm-hmm. Okay, which leads then to disappointment in some future here now. <laughs> yep. But 
if we have the frame of reference that all we need to do is learn to manage this present moment, then that's the only real set of skills that we need to learn. Mm. Yeah. That's the only real skill set is learn to deal with whatever happens right now without worrying about what what needed what happened in the past that wasn't dealt with very well. Yep. Or how do I handle something in the future? Yep. But rather, how do you feel right now is really the frame of reference that we need to get into. And also part of that frame of reference is how do you feel is up to you, your choice. Yep. Exactly. Okay. And so you can see that in a frame of reference that we can think of, oh, we practice Anapanasati in the here now. Therefore, I want happiness from that here now. Yep. That, the, that the here now <clears throat> owes me happiness. Yeah. Wait a minute. Getting in touch with the actual reality as it is, we recognize it is actually quite fairly neutral. Yep. But it is extraordinarily vibrant in that. Yeah. Way. Yeah. It is so vibrantly alive that the cause effect things that are happening is just really overwhelming when we begin to get all of our senses collected together to recognize how big our senses are. And we still miss a lot. So yeah. there is a bigness to the here now which is in some ways awe-inspiring. Yeah. But you have to be the one who has been inspired, not the here now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we can't expect the here now to be of any value other than us taking refuge in it. Yep. And then we can do with it what we want, because in this here now, we come to understand that it is finally a safe haven. Yep. That our whole life we've been looking for safety, and now we recognize that, well, the safety is not in the past, nor is it in the future. But there is a certain amount of safety that with wisdom can be gained in the here now. Yep. And so generally I will invite folks to look around. Are there any big snakes, alligators? No, in London. Crocodiles? Bullies with axes? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Bugs in London. With a scowl on her face? No, it's not. Things are really safe right now. And yet... <clears throat> We still need to give our permi ourselves permission to feel finally safe. Yeah. And so that's part of what this process is doing, that that inspiration that we have been talking about, that either can be had directly from hearing the Dhamma and getting enthused by it, or we can do it in the sense of catching the hindrances in the mind and be elated about catching them. Okay. And in both cases, that brings up that gladdening of the mind that really is a key factor that the Buddha is pointing at. Okay, to make sure that our wholesome thoughts actually are wholesome. Mm. That we actually do come to appreciate, wow, right now is good. 
Now, this is a safe place. Because basically what we're saying here, in a way, is using verbal talking, that kind of thoughts, which is actually... Uh, a, a form of sankara that's got all of our language and everything built into it, including all of the sets of rules, and I'm not talking about just language rules, but how you should behave yourself, young man. Uh-huh. This is what we call the parent ego state in psychology, okay? And that with that parent ego state yapping on for years and years, basically, we can understand that we do talk ourselves into how we feel. Yep. It's so we just need habits. to our, right, exactly. So now we can that we know that with skill, we can start talking ourselves into how we want to feel. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Yes, we can begin to tell, teach ourselves how to do it with with right thought or with um, uh, in the in the realm of two kinds of thought. I think, in fact, you were the one who found that suit, the number nineteen. Yep. Two kinds of thought. Two yes, precisely. Thoughts. That's what we're looking at. Okay. So the wrong kind of thought then would be, I want happiness from the here now. Yep. Okay, but um, the right kind of thought is, wow, this here now is great. Uh, and so you can see how subtle that is. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, because I thought I didn't know I was doing it till recently. And then it took a, a bit longer for it to change. Yeah, and I thought I was doing it correctly as well. Um, Well, our society has supported all of its children right to the root of the law of karma has to do with delayed gratification. Yeah. And we bring that frame of reference into the meditation. The delayed gratification is is that we do this so that we can get that, yep. and we don't get that, so we do this harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or we, be, or we become disgusted and walk away. Mm-hmm. So both of them are the loser's positions or the opposite ends. Mm-hmm. But somewhere in the middle path, we wake up to say, look at what we're doing. Yeah, that we're still dealing with this frame of reference of delayed gratification. Now, the Buddha didn't have that kind of sophisticated language, but he was darn sure to make make sure with the limited uh, language of Pali that he was understood like this in the sense of the cause and effect. With this, yeah. there is that. Without <clears throat> this, there is not that. Yep. Okay. And that's basically stated as idhya papajayata, which is not there. If you don't have this, it's not going to happen. Mm. Okay. But when it do, when you do have this, there it is. Yeah. Okay. It's not now that you have this, you wait a long time, and now it arrives. It's almost like postage. That we think that when they when eBay says that the package is on the way, 
right? Mm-hmm. No, no. It's at the moment when it arrives. <laughs> yep. And that's in the here now. Yeah. Them sending the packages now, anticipation and waiting and, and uh, all of that kind of stuff until yep. the package arrives. And we don't need to do any of that because the package hasn't yet arrived. It's interesting. The um, anticipation. I used to. Um, I used to uh, think that was a good thing, until recently, where I've realised anticipation is actually, um, it's a disturbance. Yes, uh, exactly. So, <clears throat> especially when, uh, um, what what we are anticipating takes longer than our anticipation last. Yeah. How long can you keep the anticipation going? Yeah. Okay. Do you know Rocky Horror movie, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, the movie? 1976. No. Okay. No, Where, uh, never mind then. The word was, th- was there in the movie, was a major, major point in the movie, and that was when he was with his, um, um, queen outfit all dolled up right. and he and he said the word like this anticipation <laughs> <laughs> okay but that's it the anticipation it basically eat your carrots before you get your ice cream eat yep. your broccoli before you get your cake okay all you're thinking about is the cake Okay. Basically, what we could do, I mean, there's a lot of different things we can do. One of them is mix them together. Okay, here you want cake? I want your broccoli. Let's mix them together. <laughs> you can do with this what you please. If you want to pick out the broccoli to get to the cake, I bet you can't do it. Broccoli falls apart. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there's many different ways of doing it, but teaching the children always the same uh, frame of reference. You've got to do what you're told to do. You've got to eat what we tell you to eat so that you learn the correct rules because dot, 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 dot. You are a child and therefore too stupid to figure out life for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And any kid you come along if you say that right out loud to them, they will rebel against it. <laughs> oh, no. In fact, that was one of the things that I um, quite remarked about in, in my own mind, especially with Kitty. When she was three years old, I could tell she was really 100% already a human being. Uh-huh. There she was. <laughs> and That's there awesome. is no, no such thing as someday she'll grow up. Oh, no, she's here right now. <laughs> uh-huh. And I see that since, since then. She's got basically what they say, a mind of her own, and she's learning how to deal with it within the context that we provide for her here. Mm. Um, but the point is... She's learning herself. That, right. We... First off, right, and we're and I specifically try to take as many frames of reference away from her by not forcing them upon her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, I don't give her those old frames of reference that I was raised with. One of them was the piano <laughs> that was bought before she was even in diapers, okay? <laughs> yeah, guilty, Your Honor. I bought her a, <laughs> a piano, right? She's not interested in the piano. Okay, she's not going to be a musician. That's all right. Awesome. But she likes to dance, okay? That's good, you know. Yeah. Daddy does not get the piano playing tuba player he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a way of putting frames of reference on people, and sometimes it happens really big time. Yeah. And that uh, right view then means that we need to inspect things well enough, first off, to see that this is a frame of reference, one of at least several, oh. or perhaps one of many different ways of looking at things. Yeah. And that generally these frames of, of reference have that lower boundary frame of reference of um, um, delayed gratification. Yep. That seems to be really at the base of a lot of them. I think that that's what psychology is all about. Okay. The, oh, yeah. It, yeah. Even though the therapist can see what's wrong with the client, he can't tell him so. He's got to delay it until uh, the client, the right time, having certain kind of guidance by the counselor, will stumble upon the realization all by himself. Ah, oh, I see. That's yes. That's the theory. Okay, and this and the uh, the second part of that theory is that if you tell the client what's wrong with him, this probably means in parentheses at the wrong time or too early or something. Mm -hmm. Then what? He will agree. Thank you very much for the solution to his life's problems and walk out. Yeah, and then he'll forget about it. Or two, he says, oh, no, that's not true. You're a bad psychotherapist. I'm out of here. <laughs> There's a lot of consulting. Keep, right, so you, you can keep the client enticed. Yeah. Is part of the psychotherapy is let's delay this thing and delay it and delay it and delay it until the right time, which may or may not ever come. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with this delayed gratification, because that's something that the Buddha could see with uh, the law of karma. That, that r right ordinary view has the position that I think I've mentioned to you before, that wrong view is basically the view that I can get away with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. In other words, there, I will not, even if there is dukkha, you can't make me eat it. <laughs> okay, I'll get away with it somehow. Yep. And um, that's that's actually interesting. The prisons are full of people who say that, and I'm not saying that all people who say that wind up in prison, because we all say it from time to time. What do An you mean the prisons are full of? All right, I, the example is when someone's on a diet. If you don't see me eat it, it don't count. Okay, yeah. All right. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> I I think I have, but um, I get I get what you mean, as well. Um, mm -hmm. 
It rings a bell, but I can't remember uh when I last heard it. It happens in all kinds of things, though, that if I can get away with it, it's like it didn't happen at all. Yeah. Okay, and so I get what I want, even though I would be shy, embarrassed, or um, feeling really down or bad if I did get caught. That's wrong because of cause and effect. Well, that's because we don't believe in the law of cause and effect. Okay. Okay. We say, I can do this cause and it's not going to have any effect upon me. I'm Teflon, Don. (sighs) By the way, Teflon Don, the guy who had that name died in prison. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Don Gotti. Okay, so um, we don't get away with it, but ordinary right view is like that parent that we've just been talking about that comes in and says, oh, no, you won't get away with it. That if you do bad, you will eventually get your bad comeuppance for it. Mm-hmm. Then I have to put in parentheses, even if the common machine has to dig you up just to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because that's where the magic comes in is, is that no matter what. Right. Because, in fact, one of the imponderables, one of the four imponderables, is is that we do not know the outcome of certain actions, nor Mm -hmm. do we um, know what outcome this particular action will have. Okay. Okay. In fact, we see that kind of stuff in the surprises of movies all the time. An example of it, this guy has just got a great big knife out or a sword or an axe or whatever it is, just, or a gun, just about to kill this guy, and then somebody else takes him out. Yep. Okay. So that's an example of the whole point is that we can't count on what the future is going to bring. Yeah. And so we don't know what's going to happen. If that's true, then we cannot judge an action as to whether it's good or bad until we know what the outcome's going to be. Interesting. And sometimes the outcome happens and we don't connect it with the original. Sometimes that's very easy to do, like you buy stock and then it goes up. Yep. And then you say, that was a good act. Or if it goes down, then we say, when you sell it, that was a bad action. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. In fact, no, the buying of the stock was just an act. Neither good nor bad, nor um, basically what you could say is, is that it was uh, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. The original purpose had both the greed and the fear. Yes. Fear of it going down and the greed for it going up is already there, or otherwise the purchase would have not been made. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an important point then, because almost in that case, all action is a mixed. Yep. It's got mixed motives, mixed purposes, and that the outcome depending upon who likes it and who doesn't like it. Yeah, And so that's the penalty flag. The penalty flag goes out half cheer, half boo. Was that a good call or not? It depends upon who you ask. Mm -hmm. And so that's the good and the bad all mixed together. 
Okay. And so with that, the whole idea about delayed gratification begins to fall apart in reality. The law of karma proves that uh, and, uh, delayed gratification is not based in wisdom. Wait, I'm, um, I'm not making the connection. Um, I'm missing something right. here. Delayed gratification means you eat your broccoli. Yeah. And you then can have your cake. Yeah, I get that, but I don't get the, uh, the point that you were making before. Um... All right, let's just pursue that then. <clears throat> if you do the good act of eating your broccoli, then you will get cake may not happen. Right, okay. They're promising you uh, eat broccoli, get cake, and you may not get any cake. Okay, so um, what you're... So I get that it's... Um, you do something in order for some future benefit, mm -hmm. but you don't think about the fact that the future benefit might not happen. That doesn't cross your mind. Is that the point here? That's the ignorance. Okay. The ignorance is I want it so bad I can count on it. Right. Okay. It's yeah. mine already. That cake is already mine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what happens is, is that's the connection that's actually made. That's kind of, um, yeah, it's like holding on to an idea when you, you don't really know anything that's going to happen. Exactly. We don't know what's going to future. Mm. So the question is, can you handle the right now? Yep. The, the big ones and the little ones, if you can handle the right now, then, you know, what comes next, I guess we can handle that too. Yeah. And, and that's where the confidence comes in. That's, that's part of the path, is to recognize we don't know what the future is going to bring. Yep. And we don't know what reactions people have or any of that kind of stuff because the world is far too complicated for us to plan it out. So you stick to the path because it's a good um, guideline. Or to the method. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the method, of, the method of now. That yep. sounds like a good book title. <laughs> the method of now. Nice. The method of now. To be in the now. And the method is uh, to be fluid with these frames of reference. So that we do it with the faculty of investigation to keep looking rather than getting stuck on. And um, one of the ways that you can also um, to understand this concept of the frame of reference, which is, in this case, delayed gratification, is to look at it also as nearly the word we use when we talk about a point of view, or even opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And one of the things that we know for sure is the word opinion generally means that it does not have to rely upon facts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this is also the frame of reference is like just our opinion about things. Yeah. And when we begin to look closely, we can begin to see that many of our opinions are stuffed. Yeah. <laughs> not correct. We need to yep. reevaluate and relook at what's going on. And that's that's one of them in the sense of getting our pleasure out of the here now. No. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Here now has no pleasure to give. It's just there for yeah. you to take the pleasure. Okay. Yeah. It's like a fruit tree, and we walk under the fruit tree. Do you expect the fruit tree to bend down and hand you the fruit, or do you expect you to have to do a little bit of reaching? <laughs> exactly. But you can see these frames of reference that are built in. Yeah. That here I am, I've gotten all I've, I needed to do. Where's my gift? All right, Mr. Here Now, here I am. Do your part. So it's interesting um, when uh, when um, in the present moment, um, it's easy to notice um, these frames of reference because they bring you out of that. Exactly, the frame of reference actually can be then considered a hindrance. Yeah, it's because it narrows our fo our focus. It narrows our point of view, which then means we're taking out some of the perhaps pertinent facts. It's like um, the awareness is um, very expansive. Um, like very expansive. Like it just doesn't end. Right. Actually. It, there's no end to it, but it's always still in this present moment. Mm -hmm. The expansion, in fact, is is kind of a, a mental thinking or a, a new frame of reference of looking at things expansively. Because uh. normally we look at things or from a frame of reference from the body position or selfishly or sometimes right inside of my head where am i i'm in here yeah. okay and so that means that everywhere i look i always see it from this frame of reference this frame perhaps the body yeah. so the reference from this body is the only thing that some people can see they cannot metaphorically walk a mile in another person's shoes or to see the situation at hand or to understand the system um, and how it operates because they're only seeing things selfishly. Yeah, you think um, all of these sensations, um, you're selfish with your sensations, essentially. Mm -hmm. Precisely. And also on how... Um, How how the world affects me. Yeah, I've noticed that so much. Rather than how I affect the world. This is exactly yep. what Jack Kennedy says when ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Okay, that's altruistic. That's taking a, uh, the, the focus away from the self and putting it more expansive. And that whole process then is a change in frame of reference. 
I noticed that um, anything that happens, um, the default, um, my default reaction or thoughts that come up as a result of those things is always related to a sense of me. So something can be like, for example, someone, something will happen to someone and if that's good for me, there will be good feelings. If it's not good for me, then there will be bad feelings. And that's the automatic kind of thing that happens. Um, but seeing as it's based on a sense of me, where I am the focus, that's not actually correct. Because mm -hmm. once again, it's good and bad. Right, so the example would be that you look out the window and there a car is burning. Yeah. And then you recognize it's my car, and now that frame of reference changes completely as my car. So yeah. that means that we begin to see things as I, me, and mine. Yeah, and everything and so is just on based that on that. The frame of reference. Pardon, what did you say? I said generally, well, um, I meant to say generally when not in when not really in the present everything is kind of like that everything is just based on i me and mine mm -hmm. um yeah which means things are based upon danger yeah because of the self-preservation when we're in a mode of altruistic and everything is okay there's no self to protect and therefore the fear yeah. is gone so people can, in fact, part of the joy of listening to music is because you get lost in the music. And I literally mean that the you yep. or the me is lost now because the mind's paying complete attention to the music. It's the escape. Uh-huh. The escape from the self. And we all long and cling for that. And Bhikkhu Buddhadasa calls it the void mind because it's void of selfishness right now. And so the what sense we're of self comes and goes. to be free from that. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. It comes and goes, right? The, the sense of self kind of, it comes and goes. And yeah, it's just an observation, I guess. That's precisely the point that, that Buddha means about uh, Anicca and Anatta. Is, is that the self arises dependently and mm -hmm. then it dies away naturally and it goes through a birth-death cycle. Mm -hmm. But every time it is reborn, the ignorant mind will think, oh, there you are, instead of, oh, there you come again, or maybe, who are you? <laughs> you see, because they think it's the same old thing when, in fact, no, this is a newly arising situation this is a new selfishness so um speaking of the ignorant mind um the the the, uh, the start of dependent origination well as in i say start but you know what i mean um is um it's ignorance and then that leads to consciousness um what does that mean um is it like 
because okay, like this said, is what it means. This is a difficult part for people. Um, and that is, is that the ignorance is there as a foundation because when you're born as a baby, you're profoundly ignorant. Right. A newborn baby doesn't even know how to manipulate his hands. Yeah. He has to learn how to do that, and all of that is learned behavior, part of the Sankara. So slowly the child learns, and as he does, the ignorant I ignorance is dispelled, but quite often the ignorance is part of the mix. And this is the foundation, and that foundation has body components, it has our verbal components, including all of the laws, rights, rules, rituals, and ways to do things that you learned as a child. In other words, our socialization. Children are wild animals. Isn't that marvelous? Yeah. Too bad they're not allowed to be that way. What happens to <laughs> them? They're socialized. Well, yep. that's what we're talking about. Tamed. That socialization is now what is called the parent ego state. Your roadmap of how things should do or should be. And, and often that parent ego state, because in fact it's the voice, is quite noisy giving us orders. Mm -hmm. You go do this, you go do that, and it drives the show, okay? But underneath there, then, is also a, not just a present moment memory system. We'll get to that, but that's basically, you can say, is the child ego state. But the child also stores stuff, just like stuff is stored in the parent. Things are stored in the child ego state, and the, mo and the, the language of the child is feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. Okay, because those are the things that were there before the parent ego state ever formed in the human brain, way back when, okay? Mm -hmm. All of these emotions, delight and fear and the whole show. And so the reptilian brain, actually, its language is the language of feelings. Yes. Yep. And so you have the vocabulary language. And also you can say that basically any kind of sense that we have will have a certain kind of memory system built into it. So we have ways of thinking visually. We have things, ways of thinking uh, orally yep. in the yep. sense of you can get a song stuck in your head. Yep. Okay. So the various ways that we take in input, that's the various ways we think. Yep. Yeah. And, and so we can think visually. We can think one that we don't have much control over, which means we're not very good at it, is, is that we don't think very well in... Uh, odors yes. the way that dogs do dogs not yep. just can sense odors they remember things in order and it's part of their vocabulary mm. is odor but we don't for yeah. instance can you recollect the smell of a rose vaguely vague that's what i'm getting at okay yeah can uh, all right how about sulfur or a rotten egg yeah, a um, bit, yes, bit, bit more potent. Okay, you can well, actually get yeah. an image of a rose or get an image of the sulfur, 
much yep. easier than you can remember the smell of it. That's why our what I'm saying is our olfactory stuff is not. Yeah, there very are so many thing. visual thoughts. Um, it's just endless until it's yes. not. Right, and so one of the things that we can do is we can see it is that um, there is something that's worthwhile mentioning now. And that is when we have been talking about First John, I'm having applied and sustained thought. The roots of those words is vika and voca, which gives us the words video and vocal. Ah, And so what we mean now is, is that we need to be able to start to have control over both the visual and the talkative part of the mind. So that's because like they, in you... fact, are working together to create the Salyatana. The Salyatana mm -hmm. is, in fact, the senses mm -hmm. that we are reproducing on the inside through the mechanism called perception. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go back to the point about these Sankaras then. Let us leave that as the basis, and we could even call it childhood, and that childhood lasted right up until, let us say, three or four minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Okay, well into the actual this video. Your whole childhood has lasted that long. But right now, you're here now. Mm -hmm. This is the present moment. Okay, that's when we can say the distinction between the past and the present in Paticca Samapada is between uh, the ignorance and the sankara and the now, which starts with consciousness right now. And so when consciousness happens right now, we see the object, uh -huh. the sight. And then we try to interpret it with um, uh, the perception system, which then goes into the Sankara. So all of the timing is correct and the connections are correct. It's just a little more complicated than you can speak of in kind of a song-like fashion, the way the sutras are set up. I'm a so bit confused. The Sankaras must be processed in order to make sense out of what you see now in this present moment. Yes. Okay. Recognition, in fact. How can you recognize without having this memory base of the Sankara to reference so that you can recognize a palm tree as a palm tree? Yes. That recognition is the Salyatana. What does Salyatana mean? It means the internal sense base that we actually is our experience. Some people, in fact, in the suttas even call this consciousness. So there's two kinds of consciousness, the sense consciousness and then the full-blown consciousness of the realization. Right, okay. I can say I see the tree, and that's different from I see what you mean. I see right. what you mean is much more complicated, much more sophisticated, yeah. and had to draw a lot of stuff from past understandings and past knowledge. Right. All right. That whole process of gathering together that 
the ability to understand something, your ability to see what you're talking about, is called perception, yep. and the tool that uses is Sankara. Okay. And so in some ways, that means that two different people are going to give you two different answers or going to create two different salyatanas based upon their memory system. Yep. For instance, about the body. Basically, that's how it is for everyone and everything. Exactly. Here's, here's an interesting example. You've got three, three people all carrying a violin. Two of them are just carrying it around because of this stupid story. But one of them's an actually <laughs> violin player. Okay. Right. And they're having a conversation there with their violins in the bar. And someone comes up and sees the fiddles and say, I bet you guys know this tune. And then he starts to dance and clap his hands and sings a familiar song. <laughs> Which one of those three is most likely to get that violin out and play along? The violinist. The one who knows what he's doing. Exactly. Yep. That, that's making the point in a really strong way, okay, yep. is, is that we answer questions based upon our own Sankara our yep. own capabilities in the body, et cetera, like that. Yep. And so that's how that connect. even though it's listed formally in the suttas, both backwards and forwards, as um, ignorance leads to sankara, leads to consciousness, it leads to um, <clears throat> um, perception. You could actually draw it a little bit differently so that it's not linear. You can say that over the side is where um, uh, consciousness happens, and really the connection is between the Sankara and perception. Right, okay, yeah. Okay, other than that, it's fairly well a straightforward thing, except that we can come back and get caught in perception because the solution to the problem or the understanding brings up a kind of feeling of confusion or doubt or whatever, and so it goes back and requests a do-over. And so perception, and you can see how people just get lost in thought. Yeah. They can't make up their mind. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. This is literally what happens. And so, and so, in fact, sometimes that perception just gets wrong, 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 and just gets stuck. But mostly it happens very quickly. Yep. So that's another quality that we can understand about it. Other than that, it's fairly straightforward. Perception's kind of an issue. Yeah, after that, because it's quite it's, simple. Because it's got two inputs, and actually three. Oh? It's got three inputs, right. Because the liking, I don't like this. So my feeling is doubt or confusion or whatever. Let's go process and do that over again. But they may not get new input. They just stay there in that processing mode trying to get a new solution. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Can happen right there in the brain over and over and over again. And they're not, they just get stuck. All right. Okay. Why? Because the only feeling they can come up with is confusion. Yes. Yeah. That's because they can't process it. It's not processable. We don't have enough information instead of going. But And we can do that often. We do that in a conversation in the sense of clarification. I don't understand. Yep. Please repeat for me. Give me new input so I can do a new processing and come up now with something that's um, 
conceive a bomb. Yeah, that can relate to what I already know. Yeah, it can relate to something I already know exactly. Yeah. So, does that answer your question at that level? Yes, but um, I need to... Um, yeah, I, I understand it, but I need to um, spend more time on it, I think. Um, this, is, this is something worth thinking about and considering. And yeah. when Sankaras come up, we recognize, oh yeah, that's how the mind works. You begin to understand this process. I've been noticing the Sankaras. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it's, it's fairly clear that you can see the ignorance is the basic foundation because if, if all knowledge was available when we start building sand cars, we'd never wind up in Dukkha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I see what you mean. All Dukkha is based on ignorance. Yeah. If every army who was about to go into battle knew everything about their opponent, there is nothing that either one of those armies can do except make friends. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And so everything about an army, and if you've read uh, um, uh, the old Chinese book on the art of war, Sung Chu. Yeah, okay. Air, deception in the art of war is everything. Uh huh. If you are big, you have to look small. Yep. If you are here, you look like you're over there. <laughs> if you're in retreat, look like you're on the attack. If you're in attack, look like you're on the retreat. Everything about warfare is deception. Mm -hmm. Because if everybody knows what everybody else is doing, they can't help but be friends. That's compassion. Yep. Yeah. It's because exactly. I know all about you. I really do. And by knowing that, that kind of detail, we have to be brothers. Yeah. But we don't have that. We have all of this ignorance instead. The ignorance makes you just see them as the enemy. Makes us see it the enemy because of the instincts of self-preservation. And we yep. do not know who they are. They may be dangerous. And off yep. we go. Let's go yep. fight them. <laughs> and it just and it, uh, reinforces and, itself. And it takes some wisdom to come out of that. To get to know our other people. Mm -hmm. So that we don't see them as enemies and foes. That's basically what American politics is basically all about. Exactly. Yep. And so that's the foundation of ignorance. And you can see that it's the ignorance itself then just messes with everything because the ignorance is what causes uh, the, the bad feelings of doubt as well as making foolish choices that harm us in now as well as storing stuff to make trouble in the future all based upon misfiling, misapplication, misunderstanding one another. And ignorance is based on the sense of a self. Um, yes, or is it the three? there is actually two kinds then. We can look at that. And that is there is actual pure ignorance. Right. 
And uh, then there is ignorant ignorance. Right. Now, we can talk about the, the kind of ignorant ignorances of also two kinds. One of them is, is that we don't know what we don't know. And the other one is, yes, I, I do. I thought that was the pure ignorance. Well, no, when, when we know what it is that we don't know. That's pure ignorance. That's pure ignorance. Because okay. we know what we don't know. Okay. But when we don't know what we don't know, then that's really blind ignorance. Okay. But then the worst kind is, yes, I do, I can make it up. Since yep. I don't know, yep. I'll believe something. That's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's real delusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the story is that somebody gets up out of bed in the pure dark, it's completely dark, to go to the bathroom, and he doesn't turn the lights on. Right. And on the way to the bathroom, he stubs his toe. Right. Did he stub his toe in ignorance? No. Or did he stud his toe in delusion? No. Yes. Yes? He stubbed his toe in delusion because he thought he knew where the furniture was. Oh, I see. And he didn't. Okay, yeah. If he had the thought, I don't know where the furniture is, then he can turn the light on. That way he knows what he doesn't know. I'm not sure I can get to the bathroom. Okay, so that's an right. example of stubbing your toe in the darkness is because you think you know where you're going. Okay, yeah. All right. That's also American politics. <laughs> <laughs> yep. In other words, they think they know something, and so they vote a certain way, and they wind up getting their toe stubbed. Yep. That's, um, they don't yep. like it, and so they think, oh, it was the liberals who stubbed my toe, not me. Yeah. So they're going to go out and stub their toe again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they refuse to understand that they need to wake up and look at what's going on. Yep. All right. But we get attached to our vote, just like we get our attached to our opinion, that yep. I can find my way around in the house in the dark. Yep. But the wise one will say, maybe they started moving some furniture around. I'm going to turn on the light. <laughs> and now I can see where I'm going. Okay, so that's wise ignorance. Yeah. Of knowing what we don't know. Okay. But if we don't know what we don't know, uh, then that's really kind of lost. In this case, I only gave you two examples, and that is uh, correct ignorance, the right ignorance that we know what we don't know and mm. therefore take um, uh, action for it. That's wisdom. The other one is the delusion. Oh, I do know when, in fact, we don't. Yeah. That's delusion. Sure. Okay. This other thing of uh, we don't know what we don't know is almost always done in hindsight. What do you mean by that? Uh, generals who um, are trying to justify why they went into battle. That's an example. <laughs> okay. If he had known what he was getting himself into, he wouldn't have done that. <laughs> okay. That's the whole 
point is that the other team was lying to him, you know. Okay, yeah. That's the whole point of it. Yep. Is that we don't know what we don't know, and if we did know that we didn't know, then we could go do something about it, send some spies over or call the whole thing off or whatever. Yep. Okay. That's why I say it's almost done in hindsight as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they were hiding in the ground. <laughs> yep. So, when we begin to understand more and more and begin to see this ignorance, now the wisdom or the uncovering can start to let us say, give us a new, more current Sankara as a base. And so this is yet another reason to not go into the past, but to let's let's use our time now of continuing to pile thoughts of Dhamma, thoughts of wholesome, thoughts of non-harming, thoughts of... um, um, good enough as it is and we keep piling those thoughts on over and over again we begin to um, um, to layer on a new set of, of thoughts yep. um, in that Sankara base it becomes part of our um, way of looking at things right and you could also think of it is is that we're actually beginning to change the frame of reference of even yep. our old stored um way of doing things that now yep. we're looking at it uh and beginning to feel about things not the way we used to feel but what's more appropriate for this present moment yep yeah the way things make us feel is usually just um reactions to the thing as opposed to um the way it should be i guess well, if we have a preloaded view of how things should be in the parent, then the parent's going to jump up and down. Things should be like that. Yes. Okay. But if you're using it through wisdom to recognize this is how it is, but a little tweak here and there may be able to improve things. That's a little bit different. So it's actually coming out of different areas and different what uh, Byrne and Freud mean by ego states. The ego state of the parent is the one who's going around finding what's wrong with everything because they want to make everything right. Mm-hmm. But all they're doing is just making things like they have always been. Yep. <laughs> because... That's how they're seeing. But through wisdom, we can really see clearly what's happening in the here now. And having those thoughts, that's the kind of thoughts that we want to have come out of the Sankara is the new ones that we're putting in, not Mm -hmm. the really old stuff that's coming from things that we learned years ago. So that's what's meant by um, preventing um, unarisen, unwholesome states, preventing arisen unwholesome states, cultivating unarisen wholesome states, and maintaining arisen wholesome states. By golly, you've got it, exactly. That's right (laughs) there in the sutra, exactly, and what we've just talked about is exactly that. Yeah. Cultivating wholesome states. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because if we cultivate them, then they will layer on top of or be more or just as accessible to us as the old unwholesome that we cultivated for so long. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And so you've just uncovered one. <laughs> and that is that uh, that the now owes it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than no, the now is just here. I mean, it's pleasant it's just enough, all that. but it does not owe you anything. <laughs> yep. But it's available for your taking. Exactly. Oh, a really, really old joke that's really good about this. Okay. And that is, is that the old, old um, uh, Hindu uh, guru was sitting on the top of the mountain just to get away from all. Right. And the young Westerner was just hungering and thirsting. He had to know and he had to know and he had to. So he's climbing up the mountain with all of these thoughts and everything. And finally, at the point of exhaustion, he gets up to the top there and there the guru is sitting. And the guy almost breathlessly asks the question. Oh, Guru Master G, please tell me what is the key to the universe? The old master says, mm. <laughs> but the universe has been left unlocked. Mm hmm. <laughs> so that's right the universe is actually the here now the whole show of it is right here for us to enjoy it's and unlocked. it is in fact unlocked and all we have to do is step into the reality of the moment mm -hmm. and take the light yep. therein it's not going to sprinkle you with delight all by itself. There ain't no fairy dust out there. Yep. <laughs> the fairy exactly. dust is right up here, and we can take delight in that present moment. <laughs> because we're free from the hindrances that prevent us yep. from being in the present moment. We would naturally be in the here now. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't not be in the here now, but... <laughs> There is just all this stuff that seems to get in the way. Well, it does get in the way. All of past, and it's almost always the past. We carry our past around with us, and we're burdened down by it. Yep. And so that's part of the frame of reference that we have, is the frame of reference is all of these burdens from the past. Mm-hmm. But when we recognize that that's just defilement and we can set that stuff down, then we can be comfortable and happy in the here now. Yeah, that's why um, yeah, the here now, it's, uh, it's, it's good. It's uh, good <laughs> enough. <laughs> Let us put it this way. The mind is in a good state. Yep. When it's in the here now. Yep. And you are neither here nor there, and the goodness is in the mind, the mm. wholesome. Yep. And so 
that's the way of living one's life. Yep. And I'm glad you're beginning to enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yep. Definitely, definitely something to remember and um, keep reinforcing. <laughs> Call any time. We'll <laughs> talk about it. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see you now. Yep. And um, um, I like it about every three, four days you, you're, you're calling. In yep. fact, when uh, when I saw you call in, I says, gosh, you just called. And then I look back and said, yeah, it was Tuesday you just called. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay. Well, we'll see you in, in a short time, <laughs> in a little while. <laughs> see you then. Yeah, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs>